common sense, comebacks, upsets, and beltings. That's what happened on the weekend, and with me to discuss all that and more around Sportsmates, Water Cooler is Footy Live's finest analyst and saddest Hawks fan, Nick Guadagnino. <laughs> How are you feeling after round 11, mate? It's been a rough weekend for you. Liverpool, Hawthorne, cold weather, you've got your tea, you've got your lip sip. Hopefully you're feeling a bit better. Yeah, it's going to take a couple of days to get over all that, but in all honesty, quite happy that round 11's in the books because I think uh, as a footy fan in general, from a neutral perspective, you know, we saw, like you said, some upsets, some comebacks. It was a good round of footy, and I think, uh, yeah, so some results that shows that the season's uh, wide open for anyone in terms of the premiership, top four, top eight. So this, uh, it's fair to say that the, uh, the season and the game is in good health. The first time I've heard that in about 48 hours, so thank you for bringing some positivity back to our game. Speaking of positivity, who was your hero for the weekend's action? My hero had to be Buddy Franklin, 35 years old and still kicking bags of goals, and against quality opposition as well against Richmond. It was a, it was a very good game on Friday night, um, high quality from, uh, from both teams, and to see Buddy still producing his best... Um, I mean, I mean that's that's what we want to see. He took home the goods, O'Loughlin Medal, uh, doing it in, in Indigenous rounds, and yeah, at, at his age, uh, to still be you know putting in performances like that and being at the top end of the Coleman Ladder race, uh, I think it's um, yeah. I mean, respect. Yeah, people obviously we all respect Buddy Franklin, but. I, th- I don't think uh, we quite really understand how you know special of a player he is to be still doing it um, this deep into his career. So hopefully it keeps on going. But you know he's he's definitely one of the best players uh, ever to play the game. So just just grateful for him, Gordo. And often you know when players reach the twilight of their careers. They get criticised, you know, not putting in, not caring enough, not not wearing their hearts on their sleeves or, you know, doing their colours proud. But as much as everyone remembers Buddy for being a Hawthorne player, he's very much bought into being a Sydney player too. He loves the Bloods and he loves drawing some blood too with an open mm. hand slap across Trent Cotchin, arguably what kickstarted his game. Good yeah. kiss. All credit to the young boy. Kept him quiet. Obviously, Budwell was quite frustrated and then... We know that Trent Conchin is a bit of a sniper. It's been shown throughout his history. doesn't mind a little bit of uh, things outside the rules of the game. And obviously, Bob White had had enough. And yeah. uh, gave him a little cheeky slap. And yeah. it uh, kicks out of his game. And he ended up kicking a bag and almost winning the game for the Swans. So, yeah. <laughs> Good to see that a player in their twilight... Not that we, you know, encourage violence. We don't want to see the game go back to the 70s and 80s. We can just belt blokes to, like, kickstart a, a comeback. But it's just good yeah. to see that Bud was fully bought in and wants to win and wants to do what he has to. That being said, should he cop a week or not? Yeah, no. Yeah, when I saw it, I probably thought, yeah, that's going to get a week. It's just, even if the, even if the contact's not there, you have to punish him for the, for the action. Um, We don't want to see that. It it was a quite obvious uh, hit across the face. So, um, yeah, he, he deserves a week. Um, I'm surprised Sydney are actually challenging it, to be honest, because, I don't know, like, we, we concussion's always at the, at, at the um, top of the agenda every single week uh, for the AFL, so I don't know why they should be uh, challenging um, 
hits to the head, um, especially when they're intentional. So, um, yeah, he should just cop a week and move on with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there as well. Sydney are appealing basically because his points have reset, so even if he loses the appeal, he doesn't get an extra week. But I, I think, yeah, as you said, there's an obligation to the game as well and, you know, the broader game in a sense that, you know, what, clearly there's no action there to say it was accidental. There was no action there to say that, like, he, he was aiming for somewhere else. He clearly just wanted to slap Cotchen around the chops, and he did. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you did your crime, you do your time, you cop your week. Obviously, the question that everyone's been talking about, and it's been done to death, so maybe a yes-no, maybe a, a brief description, but yep. should it have been 50 uh, after the siren? Chad Warner boots it into the into the, into the the sky. It's uh, It was almost like a, a shooting stars meme, how far that <laughs> ball went out of the stadium. Yep. Did he deserve a 50 for that, or did common sense prevail? Uh, yeah, despite what Dimmer said, I think common sense did prevail. You know me, Gordo. I'm, whenever there's an umpire controversy, I'm always, um, I'm always on top of it. Um, I'm always the spokesperson against them usually, but I didn't mind this decision at all because it was obvious that he didn't hear the siren, um, Chad Warner, and it was a celebratory kick into the stands and people were saying, um, Oh, uh, you know, if the siren didn't go, would it still be, would, would the umpire still let it go? Well, and I'll, I'll be like, well, um, if the siren didn't go, uh, he wouldn't have kicked it into the stands. So it's obvious that, uh, he didn't hear the siren and, um, I'm happy for umpires to give players the benefit of the doubt when there's crowd noise. Um, it happens all the time in finals and, yeah, it should still be happening because at the end of the day, these plays are only human and I think it would be very harsh to um, uh, give a 50-metre penalty for that and cost the team a game. And the final thing I find most frustrating is that all season we've asked for umpires to have more feel, you know, more understanding of the players, more understanding of the game, the nuances, and don't be so black and white and so finicky. And so the one time that they actually aren't black and white, have some feel for the game, talk about it, show their workings, show their understandings. Everyone cracks the sad and goes, well, if you actually read rule number 3.58 in the rule book, it says that the game's not over until the umpire blows his whistle. So technically it's out of bounds on the floor and it's 50 metres. And yeah, like umpires stuffed up again. And it's like, you can't have it both ways. If you want more feel and you get more feel, you have to say, yeah. thanks umps. My team lost, but it's not your fault. And yeah. or if not the other way, then we're going to have, you know, 785 free kicks each week like we did last week and everyone complaining so yeah. gotta pick one side gotta pick one side and run with it you can't have it both ways mm-hmm. speaking of running with it Joel Jeffries my hero for the Gold Coast Darwin boy living out his dream he's been wanting to play AFL all his life and he's been playing some outrageous footy in the last two weeks he was goal of the week winner last week with his uh Attempted bicycle kick over the top it wasn't quite a proper bicycle kick, but it definitely was a snappy goal. But this one, unfortunately, probably can't win goal of the week because we won it the week before. This was far better. This was this was bonkers. This was a, a Jimmy shake. This was a, a shake and bake. It was a juke. And then I've watched the replay a couple of times now, and I'm still not entirely convinced Joel is trying to kick it for a goal. I think he's just <laughs> chucking it on the boot, but it went through the goal. And so now, once you celebrate, once you get it in the replays, he can clearly say. Yep, I meant that the whole time. But to do it up in Darwin, in front of his home crowd, to be playing AFL footy, for the Suns to be finally, you know, almost getting to 50% at the halfway mark of a season for wins-loss, 
it's it's mm. such a big turnaround for them, and it's so good to see them competing. Obviously, you know the blowout win against your mob's not going to make you want to you know celebrate their successes as much this week. But it's good to see that narrative turning around. At least it's Stewie Jew, a former Hawthorne legend, doing it, and it probably mm. means that you know if they play finals this year. Surely it's no Clarko to the Suns. It's Clarko going somewhere else and Stewie G gets an extension. Because yeah. uh, there's some good things happening there and let's hope, you know, once the buy rounds are over, they can continue on to the back half of the season. But it was just good to see a couple of Darwin kids up there playing in front of their home crowd, enjoying Indigenous mm. round number two and uh, having a big win. Mm. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I was critical of the Suns maybe a month ago, but they credit to them, they have turned it around completely. Um, they've got three wins out of the last four, and even their loss against the Bulldogs last week was pretty respectable, I thought. Um, they got pretty close. They kicked a lot of goals. They've been playing good footy, and, yeah, Joel Jeffrey, um, he's, he's got a little bit of Liam Jarrah about him. He's got that spring in his step. He's a live wire up forward, and... The Suns have definitely found one. He, he's going to be a good player for a very long time. Um, he only kicked the one goal for the night, um, as opposed to his five last week. But he was dangerous every time he got near the ball. He created opportunities from nothing. And that's what you want in your forward line. And, yeah, he's, he's there's a real um, resemblance in his game uh, with Liam Jarrah. Um got that spring in his step and uh, even a bit of Harley Bennell as well he's just got he's just oozes class so definitely uh, going to be look looking forward to watching him play um, for the rest of the season and for the years to come but um, yeah to be only seven games into your career and doing that is um, is incredible that's seven games into your career but your highlight was about 700 games worth in the making. The old firm rivalry, Carlton versus Collingwood, went down mm. to the wire. Talk us through it. That was your clear highlight of the week. Yeah, we had this one circled on Friday as one of our um, as one of our must-watch games, and it delivered. Uh, the, like you said, the old firm uh, rivalry. Um, I expected Collingwood to show up as they always do in this um, in this fixture. Um, you know, in these games, you'd still have to say, you know, Carlton are the better team on paper. Um, but, you know, the injuries that they've had uh, this season and uh, obviously losing Weedering during the game made Collingwood a huge um, a huge chance uh, to win it. And the credit to them, they, they got out to a pretty good lead in the last quarter and they're looking like a pretty strong side at the moment as well. Um, Top eight potential, it has to be said. But that comeback from Carlton in the last five minutes, Charlie Kerno kicking those two goals, in front of 80,000 people, um, that uh, you could just feel the energy coming from the TV. It was, it was incredible. Um, it even had me up on my feet. I had to watch the last couple of minutes standing up. It was just an, uh, it was just an awesome finish. Um, and Charlie Kerno, he's just got that... I don't know, he, he, he's a bit of, he's got a bit of Buddy Franklin in him in a way where, like, he, he he's a showstopper. He can really, um, yeah, he really puts his best out there. And, um, yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a player that um, gets fans through the gates. So um, he did it again. He's leading the Coleman by six goals. And, yeah, that, that ending was was fitting for this fixture because I think both sides went into the game um, equal on wins in their history. 
against each other. Um, and this one, again, went down to the wire. So... Uh, awesome, awesome Sunday game in front of a in front of a massive crowd, um, and the AFL will be very happy about that. Absolutely. Big question here from the Blues, though, is obviously they're touting themselves as you know a much higher prospect than the Pies. Mm. To, to drop this game to the Pies, can you just mark it down to you know old firm clash? It's kind of like up there with you know Anzac Day. Up there with the like the openers around around Richmond, where like doesn't really matter what kind of form you're in, doesn't matter who you play, like what year you're playing against these teams, it will just always be a close game. Or is it a concern that they're you know not capable of beating a team that's clearly rebuilding in Collingwood? No, I th- I th- I'll have to go with the former. I think yeah, you're spot on at the start. He uh, the, when these two teams meet, uh, I think anyone is capable capable of winning um, despite the form and. Both teams went into it with form, um, and I don't think uh, Collingwood are that far off. I think it's a very even competition, and uh, I spoke about it on Friday. Like Carlton have gotten lucky in a few games; they won a few close ones. Yes, they were eight and two before the round started, but they could have easily been seven and three or six and four. And um, it's that's not far off Collingwood's record either. And um, again, they proved that. Um, yeah, like the, the, these. Two teams are, you know, quite even on paper, especially with the injuries Carlton have and losing Weedering. If I was a Carlton supporter, I wouldn't be too worried though. It's, it was, it's, it's just one of those games, and um, yeah, they're missing obviously a lot of good players in Mackay and Williams. So, um, and obviously they're Ruckman as well, uh, Pittenet. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. It's a shame they lose Weedering for six weeks now too, but. Um, they, sh- they should be able to bounce back. I think they had won four in a row prior to this game. So, um, yeah, they, w- they won't be too worried, but they'll want to see their team bounce back for sure. We'll be back after a quick break. Yeah, and now it gives them, you know, they start their season, they're deep in the eight, and so now they've got this opportunity to do some stuff with adversity, missing a lot of key players, got a fairly tough draw during this bye period. Mm. But again, they can jag, you know, a couple of wins, they come out the other side, they're still in the eight, they're still going strong, and then they can gear up again for finals. And mm. we've seen in many years, you want to be copying your injuries now, you don't want to be copying them around 17, 18, 19, and have players on the done for finals. So it could actually end up being a blessing in disguise to you know blood some players in, see what you've got, and then and gear up again. Speaking of seeing what you've got, Dario's Digest is back after a one-episode hiatus, and he has this question for you from the big game on the weekend. Nico, Gordo, Dario from Bucks and Ashburton here, giving you another episode of Dario's Digest. Firstly, I need to apologise. Early in the year, I said Mason Cox was done and will never play a game again. Now, the thing I want you to think about, though, 
was that Mason Cox's best game since that famous prelim. Take care, fellas. Speak soon. So I think Dario's, Dario's digesting the concept of Mason Cox playing a lot more football again, I think, is what we've got from this. Because uh, he did say, you know, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, will Mason Cox ever play for Collingwood ever again? Well, the answer was yes. And then after this, he's, he said it's potentially the best game he's played since the prelim final. Is that high praise or is that just an obvious statement because it's the only good game he's played since the prelim final? Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I can't really... Uh... I can't really recall uh, many games. I can't say I've been, you know, keeping record of Mason Cox's best game <laughs> since the prelim. So I can't really comment if if it's whether you know if it's his best game or not since then. But um, and like I don't think you can call it his best game because he did only have eleven disposals and the one goal, um, and I think six of his eleven disposals were actually claims. But what it was for Mason Cox was he was he was clutch. In the last quarter, he kicked that goal that Collingwood needed to um, get a bit of breathing space, um, and he also took an intercept mark in defence at a crucial time. And I think he took about six marks for the game as well. So he was clutch um, and absolutely justified uh, his spot in the side. Um, obviously, with Grundy out of the side, they they're running with uh, Darcy Cameron and. Um, in the ruck and they, they hadn't had Cox in the side for the last few weeks but yeah it's I think it's fair to say if, if he wasn't in the side I don't think Collingwood would have won so um, I guess I guess yeah if you if you want to put him down as a match winner um, it's definitely I think the the first match he's single-handedly won for the pies since the prelim but probably not his best game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And there's a uh, just shout-outs to Dario here. There's a cool little function on the Footy Live app called the Time Machine. So if you click through to the player profile, click the little watch or the timer button in the bottom left-hand corner, you can go and scroll through all of any player's games, but for this case, Mason Cox's, and doing a quick scroll. You know, he's had a... Like, we, we rated this game a 6 out of 10 in terms of overall performance. That is very statistically based. But again, as you mentioned there, six clangers out of a half your possessions, that's not... That's not probably the best day out. But he's had a lot of six games between here and uh, the prelim funnel. But obviously the prelim, we gave him a 9 out of 10 that day. So um, he hasn't had a 9 since. So potentially this is the year. Maybe maybe the Pies scrape into finals and he just comes out in September under the Friday night lights, as he loves to do. And uh, yeah, maybe we see Mason Cox return to the, uh, mm-hmm. the big lights for the big Texan. But um, a team returning under the lights... They'll be going deep into September. And uh, it's, it's Fremantle, obviously. The Purple Haze is back. The bandwagon is taken off. But interestingly enough, all of the reports I've read from our very Melbourne-heavy focused football media has been like, oh, well, this is the game that Melbourne had to lose. This is, they were due mm-hmm. for it. You know, they haven't lost since round 19 last year. You know, oh, it's expected. They've got a couple of players out. They've got four players to come back in who are all premiership players. It's all sweet. It's all sweet. No problems here. And to be honest, that's probably true. I wouldn't. I don't think Simon Goodman's up. You know, upstairs today, sweating bullets because they lost a game. But they did get. They got belted. They got <laughs> belted by Fremantle. They didn't yep. just get a little touch up. Oh, I know a couple of goals here. No, they got belted in that third quarter, and it played out pretty much exactly how we thought it might. Frio yep. built it off defence. They stretched Melbourne. They they beat them around the contest. They were at it for longer. And again. It's, it's, you know, a mid-season game. 
Like Melbourne mm. clearly didn't play their best football. Fremantle played probably close to their best football. Mm. You know, you get a free swing now. Freo knows how to beat Melbourne, but now Melbourne gets to reset and face them again in September. But it is, it is just nice to to see how quickly. You know, two weeks ago, Fremantle's lost two in a row. Oh, they're done. They're no chance for finals. They play boring football. They can't. They can't make it. They can't. They can't, can't possibly beat Melbourne. They do it, and then no one's like, "Oh, Freo were legit." It's all just like, "Oh, yeah, Melbourne slipped up." Oh, there you go. But there's yeah. your sleeper. If you want a sleeper for the premiership now, Freo have to be in your contenders because they can get it done. And yeah. you know, we'll see. We'll save it for the preview on Friday. But this game against Brisbane, I think, is going to be more indicative of the September action uh, than the game we just saw on the weekend. But hats off to Freo. They went in there with a plan. They executed to 100%. They got the job done. And I'll sing their praises if no one else in Melbourne will. Yeah. And at the MCG as well. And they've done it before this season. They they beat Geelong in Geelong. So, like you said, they, they are capable of, uh, yeah, knocking the big teams off and certainly a sleeper for the Premiership. If you can get it done at the MCG against the reigning Premiers... Um, you're definitely in contention. And like you said, they, they belted him 12 goals to one in the second half. Now, I still consider Melbourne the best team in the comp after this game. But what Freo have done is they've set a blueprint for themselves and for every other team in the competition on how to beat the Ds. This just, this just shows that Melbourne are beatable and it has given life to the to the Premiership race. So um, I'm happy it's happened. Um, it would have been boring if, you know, Melbourne continued on their merry way after half time and smashed Frio by 10 goals and would be sitting here saying, yep, yeah, Premierships, uh, they've already got one hand on the Premiership Cup. But instead, um, I'm, just, I'm just pleased that, you know, we've actually got a bit of excitement in this season and Proof that it can still go anyway. So, um, massive result for Freo. Very happy for them. And uh, we, we called it last week um, on Friday. We thought this might may have been an upset. And, um, yeah, Freo needed to respond, and they did. So, props to them. They were awesome. Awesome to watch. And we actually got a pretty decent and stellar game. We were concerned it mm. might be a very dour defensive affair. And Freo said, no, nah, we've got more strings to our bow than just a solid defense. We'll keep you scoreless for half a game, but uh, we'll also pound the points on you as well. So they've got both both assets that you need to win games at the back end of the season, so credit to them. Mm. Unfortunately, though, it seems that when you live out in the West, only one team can be good at once because <laughs> one team is in free fall. They're your low light. Let's lament the West Coast Eagles. I... I've got West Coast in my low light because I actually had a bit of hope for them this week. They had some players coming back into the team that made me think, okay, well, they might still lose, but they might give the Bulldogs a good game. Now, um, we, we know, you know, West Coast have struggled this year with injuries and with, you know, COVID and all of that. But to have, you know, not not your best team, but... You know, probably the best team they've put out all season and lose by 100 points, 101 points is, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's, it's poor. It, it is really poor. They are, they are worse than North Melbourne this year. And that's, and that's, that's saying something. Um, I don't think we quite appreciate how 
big of a 100 point win is sometimes. Like, to say that we would give West Coast a 100 point lead at the start of the game and they still managed to lose it, like, that is, um, yeah, it, it, it's atrocious. Um, and to concede, what was it, 20, 25 goals in a game of football uh, in this modern age, that doesn't happen often and it probably shouldn't happen. Um, that it was, and I think credit to the Bulldogs though, 15, 16 different goal kickers. Um, they were obviously, I mean, we have to give credit to them. They were, they were awesome to watch. They, they played their best footy all season, but, um, yeah, West Coast just didn't put much, put, didn't put up a fight for the whole game from the very first quarter, conceding six goals in the first quarter. They were atrocious, and to do it at home as well, um, I feel sorry for the West Coast fans. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't really see any way back for them this year. I don't really see them winning another game. Um, it's yeah, it might be harsh to say, but um, it's just very hard to see at the moment. I think the only joy for them is they're coming into the bye period now so they they can potentially reset. But to echo mm. your thoughts there, you know you know you're not up to standard when the opposition coach apologizes for beating you so badly. <laughs> like he he basically yeah. said like the beverage came out and maybe maybe you know he's actually being a, a bit of a smartass, but I don't think he is. I think he's being genuine and he basically came out and yeah. said, you know, we want to be relentless. We want to win by as much as we need to bank that percentage points, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but at the end of the day, when you reflect on it after the game, it's kind of sad to see the Eagles in this state. And it's like, mm. poor. If you got coaches apologising for being you too bad, then then you then you know you're in really <laughs> stiff trouble. You're in those North Melbourne areas where you're getting pitied, and you don't want pity in competitive elite professional sport. You you want to be respected as an opponent, and they're not at the moment. And that's that's the problem and everyone's you know jumping in and the mainstream footy media is going into all the diagnostics and uh, is it jack darling's fact that he didn't get a covid vaccination and then came back without a pre-season and played straight away is it the fact that they couldn't handle the bubble are they just tired of the same old voices do they need to reset refresh they need to get rid of adam simpson i, I don't know what it is but something's wrong and um yeah. if they can't work it out then i don't know how we can either being on the other side of the country but um mm. It's just sad to see, really. And this, again, it's and we'll and we'll get to my low light, but it's different. And again, this is no um, criticism to the smaller clubs, but like when it's St Kilda, when it's mm-hmm. North Melbourne, when it's the Gold Coast or GOS when they first came into the league, it's like, yeah, we expect that. Like you, you guys aren't that good. You haven't won that many, haven't won that many premierships or any, any premierships throughout your history. You're just battler clubs that that battle away, and that's kind of like your charm. Yeah, that's not West Coast. West Coast yeah. is this proud, dominant club that's won multiple premierships in bursts throughout mm. multiple eras. Like this, yeah. like there are, and like a lot of these clubs have these systems. Like, yeah, Hawthorne drops back down, but then they can find ways to win and re- and like rebuild efficiently. You know, mm-hmm. clubs like Brisbane from their, in, in, especially interstate clubs where like they're not one of you know ten. They're they're usually yeah. oh, standalones or one of twos now. And it's like there's no way that you can survive if you. It's going to be like this poor week in, week out for multiple seasons now. And it's been almost a full season's worth given the back back half of last year. So they'll be mm. stressing. They'll be scared. Hopefully the players are too because uh, they're the ones that have to change it. Or at the end of the day, you can blame the coach all you want, but it's the players that have to change it. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, a good time for the buy, I think. Good time for a reset. 
and maybe uh, some honest words and some hard training mm. sessions, perhaps. Mm. Absolutely. Speaking of, the Bombers are no better. And, you know, maybe they're, they're almost teetering on North Melbourne areas because they haven't won a final for, I won't say the actual number because I'll get it wrong, it will date in a day's time, but they haven't won a final for many thousands of days. And um, now they're going into a full-scale review, yeah. is what their president, Paul Brasher, has said. And they, yeah, they're 16th, they've only had two wins at the halfway point of the season. They played funnels last year, they were meant to be on the up and up. Everyone was super excited, they are going to be the smoky for the flag. And it's all fallen in a giant hole. So they're bringing back Kevin Sheedy. And they're bringing back Simon Madden. And they're going to do an in-depth, full-scale club review. Of which then the president says, the outcomes are likely to be incremental and not transformational. Well, how about we just treat the fans with some respect then and say, we've been crap for the first half of the year. We don't appreciate that. We don't respect that as ourselves. We don't, we don't, want to, we don't consider that good enough. And we'll endeavour to improve. But don't call it something it's not. You've extended the contract of your CEO and you didn't tell your fans. They had to find out via the press. You're trying to play smoke and mirrors with some of these contracts. You're going to extend your coach. That's totally fine. He doesn't deserve to be sacked. You're going to extend your, your list manager despite the fact that everyone's really critical of you, especially your fans, really critical of his list management skills. And you're going to extend most of your coaches as well. If you're not going to change anything, don't make this big song and dance about a review. Just own your mistakes and try and get better. But don't treat your fans like idiots because that's the one thing that upsets me most about the Essendon Football Club. And not even Essendon fan. But they treat their fans with so much disrespect. Ever mm. since the, the drug scandal, they've tried to scoop things under the rug, play spin, spin doctor in the media, say things aren't an issue when they are, and never own their mistakes. Yeah. Fans, can, fans can cop being bad. Like, every club has to be bad. That's how the AFL works with the draft and equalisation measures and whatever. You can mm. cop being bad. North fans are copping being terrible because they're mm. honest and they're just telling them, you know, we're rebuilding. We're going to suck for a while, but hopefully we turn around pretty soon. Come join us for the journey. Essendon mm. don't say that. Every year Essendon comes out, we're going, to win a, we're going to win a final, we're going to win a premiership. They've backed in the next 2026. They're going to win one premiership by 2026 in every single team in that club. Men's, women's, VFL, etc. Mm. Bonkers. They do not know where they are at. They do not know how to run that club or how to treat their fans with respect. And it's and it's disgusting. And I don't know why I'm so upset, but I am. Because it really <laughs> got me today when I read that, when they launched that review. But um, you'll probably be loving it because you're a Hawks fan and you want to see them disappear into the ether. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say that because I, I, like, I, as, as much as I don't like them from a Hawthorne supporter's perspective... Um, I still I still respect them as you know a, a club and you know they are one of those traditional top four Victorian teams. Like you said, they've got a loyal and, and large fan base, and I, I agree with you. I think um, the the Essendon fans have gone through so much with their club. They've gone through that whole drug scandal, like you said. And they backed their team in. Um, they they will always back their team in. They haven't experienced the final win in so many thousand years, like you said. Um, and just when they thought they were on the up, you know, they made finals last year. They're back to being a bottom three side, and it's yeah, I can't really explain why. Um, we obviously got last year wrong for some reason. Um, they went from being, you know. One of the dark horses in a premiership race, and I think a lot of people had them um, taking that next step this year as well. And 
you know, closing in on top four. And their list is, you know, their list isn't bad. They've got the players, um, you know, Jake Stringer's almost, you'd have to say, an A-grade player. Zach Merritt, um, Darcy Parrish. They've, They've got the players to be, you know, a good football side. And I don't know what you can really uh, pin it down to, but yeah, I, I think what's, like you said, what supporters need and deserve is just a bit of transparency and they're probably not getting that at the moment. And I thought the Bombers actually played all right on the weekend, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're going into their bye. They're, what, two and two and um, nine now. Uh, no one saw this coming. No one saw it coming and uh yeah, it's 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 hard. It's a hard time to be an Essendon supporter at the moment. So, I guess we'll see what happens. But I, I'm with you. I, I think um, they're reaching if they think they can win a premiership in the next uh, four years. Reaching indeed. And we'll reach towards the end of this episode with our halfway mark closing question, Nico. If Hawthorne were to scrap into finals, let's just pretend that's a very likely <laughs> chance here. Who is the one club currently you do not want to face in week one? Do not want to face in week one. So does that mean I have to pick a side that won't be in the top four? <laughs> um, I well, don't know. We can't predict yeah. the future. You know, teams might slide in and out, you know. So it could be could be any club that you think's going to play finals, but who's the team you're like, oh, please, not them? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the ladder now, and I don't think I'd want to play anyone in the top eight at the moment. I think anyone on their given day can really be the best side in the competition. Um, like, I mean, Carlton's sitting fifth, and Carlton's best footy is, you know, arguably un- unstoppable. Um, the same can be said about Freo, Melbourne, Brisbane, even Geelong. Um, I'm going to have to say, oh, jeez. It's a tough question. Who will I not want to play in finals? Um, I'm going to say Carlton. I'm going to say Carlton. I think with a full team and the way they play when, you know, they've got the momentum on their side, um, they'll they'll be hard to stop in September. I don't think any team in finals will want to face Carlton at the MCG, especially, like, I mean, we saw what... Um, the effect of having 90,000, you know, screaming fans on your side can be when we watched Richmond a few years ago um, in those prelims against GWS in the grand final. Yeah, I, I think that'll be similar for Carlton. Um, the majority of the supporters will be in their favour and they're a loud bunch. And yeah, I'd, I'd hate to be facing that in September. Um, it's daunting um, and it's intimidating. Um yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably circle in the blues. I, I, if, if I'm Melbourne, put it that way, if I'm a Melbourne supporter, I'll, I, I'd, be, I'd be worried about facing Carlton um, in a knockout final. For mine, yeah. uh, it's Brisbane. Brisbane at the Gabba. Even if they slipped, you know, to fifth, you know, if they played fifth versus eight, it'll be an absolute massacre at the Gabba week one of the finals. And if they get a top two spot, anyone having to go to, Gabba, to the Gabba twice before a grand final this year, of all years, and you had to it for a few years, but they're flying under the radar, they're winning a lot more games that they should have, they're doing it by healthy margins most of the time, unless they're playing Hawthorne, of course. And uh, yeah, they look like a scary beast that flies under the radar, given the uh, Melbourne-centric media. So there's our two teams. Hope you're listening, Melbourne. You've dropped out of our most fearful teams for the uh, for the year, so we expect to see some big Melbourne wins 
after the bright period. But uh, that's more for the preview show, which is coming on Friday. So if you have any games that you think we should preview, let us know via our Twitter at AFLFootyLive. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy the, the week in the media and uh, just, you know, give the umpires a break.